I read 1 Thessalonians verses 5 through 7 of chapter 1. The Word of God says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples unto all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And let's pray. Our Father, we come to you asking you to give us wisdom and insight into your word. Thank you that we can gather as a church family here on a cold, a stormy day in New England in the middle of winter. Uh, my heart is refreshed to see my friends and my spiritual family. And I pray tonight that you'd encourage us in your word. You'd help us to tap into this beautiful gift that all too often we don't take advantage of or exercise. And so I pray tonight you'd give me the words to say, give us ears to hear. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. The church of the Thessalonians was actually in a town called Thessalonica. Uh, these people had gone through an awful lot. As you see, the Apostle Paul mentioned that they believed in spite of much affliction. They became followers of the Lord in spite of much affliction. Uh, matter of fact, they were so afflicted that after the Apostle Paul wrote them the first letter through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he had to write them a second letter called Second Thessalonians, of course inspired by the Holy Spirit, because they were concerned that they missed the rapture. Their lives were so awful. They were concerned that perhaps they missed the rapture. Uh, and they were scared about this, fearful about this. But imagine how bad your life would have to be to say, is this the Antichrist? I mean, is this the end times? Is, did we miss the rapture? I mean, they, they were a struggling and afflicted people for their faith. And the Apostle Paul wrote them a second letter and said, no, let me explain to you how some of these events are going to fall into place so that you can recognize uh, when all of this happens. What I want to point you to here in, in 1 Thessalonians is the Apostle Paul, knowing that they were in great affliction, he points out the fact that they had something called joy. And you became, look at verse 6, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So they were afflicted, but they had joy. And this is the power of joy. See, joy and happiness are not equal. Happiness comes from a word happenstance. It is directly connected to what's happening to you, what's going on around you. It is a happiness based on your circumstances. For example, if I were to give you $100, all of a sudden you'd be happy. How many of you would be happy if I gave you $100 right now? I'd be happy if you gave me $100. But then how many of you would be sad if I took it back? Yeah. 
Isn't it amazing that a piece of paper can control our happiness? Piece of paper. The promise of new things. And multiply that by all the other circumstances in our lives, and you can see how fickle happiness is. If your attitude, if your spirit, if your outlook is based upon your circumstances, you are riding a roller coaster, dear friend, that's not only hard on you, it's hard on the people around you. Have you ever been around someone that you never know what kind of mood they're going to wake up in? Anybody ever been there? I've been there. And it's like, which version of so-and-so is going to wake up today? Wouldn't it be nice if there was just a stability that wasn't based upon circumstances? Wouldn't it be nice if there was a happiness, if I could walk in joy today regardless of my happiness? See, happiness is far, is far inferior to joy because happiness is gladness from happenings. Joy, on the other hand, is completely dependent upon my relationship with God. Joy is separated from my circumstances. has nothing to do with my circumstances. I can be joyful when I'm sick. It's hard to do in your flesh, almost impossible, but God can do it. You can be joyful in the middle of a storm. You can be joyful on a beautiful day. You can be joyful, this thing called joy. Joy says I can have joy whether I have the $100 or not. See, joy comes from God. Psalm chapter 4, verse 7, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than the time that their corn and their wine increase. See, their happiness, their joy was based upon their circumstances but God can give us joy that is far superior, more abundant than anything this world has to offer. This joy is a benefit of our salvation. Joy strengthens, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy sustains. Boy, if you, if you have some joy in your life, you can buckle up under some difficult circumstances you can be longer suffering joy is available to every christian think about that it's available why is it available because whenever you get saved god indwells you with someone called the holy ghost the very moment i got saved as a 16 year old boy the holy ghost who's part of the godhead He's a person with thoughts and feelings and purpose and emotion. And that one called the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, indwells the believer at the moment of salvation. John chapter 14, verse 17 says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you. The future tense is because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet, died, buried, and rose again. The Holy Spirit had not come to stay. Up until the moment the Holy Spirit came to stay, all the way through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people, but he never indwelt people. For example, the Holy Spirit would come upon Samson, but then he would leave. But for you and I, we have a gift that the, the Old Testament saints never had, and that is when the Holy Ghost came, he came to stay. 
He lives within us. He abides within us. When Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, uh, he's talking about the, the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit that indwells us every moment of our existence here on the planet. And so the Holy Spirit, by the way, he's called the Spirit because he has no physical form on earth. But he's still a person with thoughts, feelings, purpose. He's still a part of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and so on. And so the Holy Spirit moves in. Ephesians chapter 1 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We were sealed. We've talked before about what a seal means. A seal in these days was a, a sign of ownership. It was a sign of protection. It was a guarantee that uh, something would not be uh, uh, molested or misused. The Holy Spirit is our seal. It's God's, He is God's stamp of ownership upon us. And He lives in us and abides us. And we understand the Holy Spirit's our helper, John chapter 15 verse 26. We are called to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The Holy Spirit is that engine through which all spiritual work is accomplished. I told someone recently, if you try to live the Christian life in the flesh, you'll be a miserable failure and you'll give up. It's impossible. Thankfully, though, God gave us the Holy Spirit that can supernaturally give us strength, power, courage that we didn't have before so that we can walk in the Spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This thing called joy. We see that in our text that they had joy in much affliction. Where did this joy come from? The joy of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the source of this joy. You say, okay, preacher, I, I understand that. You showed me the Bible. I believe I should have joy. I agree with that. Then why don't I feel it? You ever been there? Why don't I feel it? Everybody's personalities are a little different. Some people have a personality that's kind of bent towards uh, happiness that's kind of bent towards positivity. Some people have a personality that's kind of bent towards negativity. I tend to have, in my natural state, a very morose personality, very thoughtful, kind of um, not negative, not cynical, but just down. Just kind of a just kind of a down guy in in my flesh. I can always see what's wrong with something. Uh, I can always feel what I'm missing. I have a hard time celebrating even good accomplishments. Uh, anybody else like that? You're just kind of left to yourself. Wow, I'm a loser. Life kind of stinks. <laughs> you know, now who wants to live that way? Now, some of you are naturally bent another way. But the pressures of life weigh upon you until that overcomes your natural state. 
And now we're like, wow, this stinks. This is harder than I thought it was going to be. How much longer can I do this? Why am I not happy? Why don't I feel these things? Where's my joy? The book of Psalms, there's several Psalms, chapters in the book of Psalms that deal with that. Why are thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. And the psalmist recognizing that he was down, he was depressed, he was discouraged. Why? Out of all the benefits that God's given me, why are, why are thou cast down, O my soul? Why are thou disquieted? The absence of peace, the, 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 the presence of conflict, what could be, what should be, what might have been. Or what should I do now? What shouldn't I do? All this, all this conflict, why are thou disquieted within me? And sometimes as Christians, we say, where's the joy? That's a good question to ask. Because you must know where to get joy. If you needed a cup of water, it might be a good idea to know where the water fountain is. Right? And then you just go over, you find a faucet, and you get some water. Likewise, you must get joy from where God gives it. Now, the Bible's very clear about how to get joy, and there are several different specific ways that we can act, we can exercise in order to experience joy. I'm not going to give you all of those today. What I am going to do is give you a shortcut. Because all the actions that we could do while they are beneficial, the source of joy is the Holy Spirit. If you can just understand your relationship with the Holy Spirit, then you can have joy. Because He is the source of our joy here on earth. And I want to give you three thoughts tonight on this idea, the joy of the Holy Ghost. If you can just get your relationship with the Holy Ghost right, then joy comes. Let me give you these three thoughts. Look at Acts chapter 13. As you're turning, it's how do you, how do you be joyful on a day when there's... <coughs> Bad weather. You have some people that ruins their day, literally. How many of you have a hard time with gray days this time of year? Day after day after day. It's gray. It's gloomy. I'll be honest with you. It affects, it affects my flesh. It's easy to get down. And they've got all kinds of fancy names for it. But it's not a mystery, <laughs> right? They're dreary days. But how can you be joyful in dreary days? How can you be joyful whenever life isn't fair? And can I remind us all, life's not fair. Sometimes you can do everything right and still get the short end of the stick. Isn't that what happened to Jesus? Christianity is based on the fact that life isn't fair. Salvation's not fair. It's not fair that Jesus 
the sinless Son of God died for his sinful creation. That's not fair. But are you thankful for it? Sure. Well, God has the ability to bring eternal good out of unfair suffering. These are things we all have to deal with. What about our shut-ins? Imagine not being able to get out of your house week after week, month after month, year after year. Imagine what it's like to be in a nursing home for years. Imagine like uh, Cheryl Sherman hasn't been able to eat solid food in going on two years. Man, if I couldn't eat, I don't know if I'd want to be here much longer. I mean, that's, that's a tough one. What about Claire Benz? Struggling with cancer. You hear her story. She's a tough lady, but that's because she's had a tough life. And struggling with cancer. She tells me now it's almost a full-time job going to all the people she knows funeral. <laughs> you know, she'll kind of joke about it, but it's like, it's painful. You look at, at some of the, the widows and widowers in our, our congregation. How do you survive? How do you have joy? How do you have joy when a child passes away, no matter how old they are? How do you have joy, someone like my wife, who every day is suffering? She goes to bed suffering. She suffers in her sleep. She wakes up suffering. Every single day, suffering. <clears throat> Oftentimes, she's making noises of pain before she's even awake. And you know what she's got to look forward to after she's awake? More pain. I don't say that for pity for her. But how does someone like that survive? How does someone like that be supportive? She's supportive of her husband, supportive of her children. Good to be around because she's got such a sweet spirit. It's supernatural. How does someone like Mrs. Kelly years ago play the piano in church the morning after she gets the news her husband got killed in Iraq on a missions trip? And you talked to her, and she had the joy of the Lord. And when I often talk about the supernatural life, one of my goals in life is to try to get our church to stop being content living without the supernatural benefits of salvation. Why would we be content in that? There is joy available. It, it should be my goal that my wife doesn't have to wonder what kind of mood I'm going to be in. Or if she says the wrong word. You know, sometimes people have to walk on eggshells around people. We ought not be that kind of people. Christians ought, not, Christians ought not have that instability. We ought not be so unstable that we don't know what circumstance is going to make us fly off the handle or, or, or yell or scream or, God forbid, curse or any of these things. Why would we want to be those type of people when we don't have to be? That's the old man. And God says, I've given you the opportunity to be a new man. You, you are a new creature in Christ. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. 
Walk in the Holy Spirit, and you can be different. One of the most powerful ways we're different is joy. Let me remind you as we get ready to look at, at Acts chapter 13, that in our text, the Bible talks about that because they had, through affliction, and because they received the word of God with much affliction, they became examples to everybody in Macedonia and Achaia. Unbelievers expect Christians to be joyful. If, what we, if we believe what we say we believe, why wouldn't we be joyful? Of course, momentary lapses that happens to all of us. We go through things, we have to struggle and recenter, reconnect, get our mind and our heart in the right place. But it makes perfect sense that unbelievers would expect Christians to be joyful. There's a God in heaven that made everything and he loves you. Doesn't that put a smile on our face? The God who made everything and is powerful has promised to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> kind of a big deal. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He separated our sins from us forever. We get to go to this wonderful place called heaven. Two things that the world cannot wrap their brains around and it really is a stumbling block to their salvation. The first is when Christians don't show the love of Christ. And the second is when they don't have joy. Those two things are the mark, the calling card of Christianity. And I would add into that, of course, faith. But love, joy, peace, sound familiar? Uh, and let me show you three things tonight, and then we'll go to the house. Number one, we receive joy when we are full of the Holy Ghost. Look at Acts chapter 13 and verse 52. And the disciples were filled with what? Joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now, wait a minute. Maybe they had a great day. Maybe they, maybe they just got a windfall of money. Maybe they just had a wonderful time. No, they just had a really bad time. Look at verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. So now they were persecuted. They were lied about. <coughs> They were misunderstood. They weren't just kicked out of a city. They were kicked out of a region. Verse 51, but they shook the dust off their feet against them and came into Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. See, whenever you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can have joy when you're misunderstood. You can have joy when you're attacked. You can have joy when opportunities are taken away from you. And you can shake it off and realize we're just going to keep moving forward for the Lord. 
the fullness of the Holy Ghost results in joy. Now, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Ghost? I believe there's eight important things to know about being filled with the Holy Ghost. We're not going to talk about them tonight. The most important thing that that's, needs to be understood when talking about the fullness of the Holy Ghost is surrender. It's surrender. It's every day we wake up full of ourselves and we have to empty us of ourselves, our pride, our ego, our desires. Every day we have to empty ourselves and we have to invite God to fill us. And he fills us through the Holy Ghost. Just like I have a cup of water. If I, if I want orange juice, I need to remove the water first. How many of you would like a bunch of water with a touch of orange juice in it? Probably not. It's going to taste great. You've got to remove what's in the cup. You have to empty the cup so God can fill it. And every day we need to humble ourselves, empty us of our own will. We learned that in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. What is that? It's an, it's an emptying. It's a submission. Lord, I don't want my way today. I want your way. And the way to get filled with the Holy Spirit in a very simple way is to yield to Him, humble yourself, acknowledge your need of Him, invite Him in, into your, your uh, spirit to lead you and to guide you to take control, and He will fill you. And one of the benefits of the fullness of the Holy Ghost is joy. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. We're talking about the joy of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost and joy go together. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you will have joy. All right, number two. Not only do we see that when we receive, we receive joy when we're full of the Holy Ghost, but number two, Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. So look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We have two choices. Every day we're either going to walk in the Spirit, or we're going to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And we won't take a lot of time because this is a common theme here. I think the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a foundational Christian theme that is often overlooked. Uh, and even those of us that, that know the concept well, it's very difficult to put in practice because of the the persistence of the flesh but verse 17 reminds us the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary one to the other uh, so that ye cannot do the things that you would so every day there's a battle who's going to win the the flesh or the spirit every day your flesh every day you wake up your flesh wakes up with you and says all right i'm in control today and you have to put him in his place and say no i'm going to walk in the spirit today and we do that through submission to God, self-discipline. Better than self-discipline is 
spirit discipline. The Bible word for that is temperance, spirit-filled discipline. One, another one of the fruit of the Spirit. So every day we have a choice between the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest or obvious made known, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, all those have to do with sexual sin. Hey, if, if, if you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh, you're not going to be moral. You're not going to be pure, mind, heart, body. All right, then look at the next. Idolatry, that's anything that goes before God. Witchcraft, uh, of course, the occult that is seeking wisdom or power outside of God. By the way, that's the promise of all the occult, is there's some wisdom or knowledge that you can get outside of God, which is a lie. Hatred. Well, our flesh loves to hate people, doesn't it? Variance. This is the, the variations, the, the instability of the flesh. Emulations, wrath, strife, seditions. That's kind of treason. A turning against hurting those that, that, that you should be loving and protecting. Heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness. The Bible word for drunkenness is not just for alcohol. It's actually anything that inebriates you. So there's no Bible word like high. I took this drug, so now I'm high. No, you, you use that drug, so now you're drunk. That's the Bible framing. So drunkenness is any types of drugs or alcohol that overtake you, change your personality, your purpose, and such. Revelings, that's the party atmosphere, the party attitude, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. God says, listen, if you're saved, stop acting like those people that are lost. Stop acting like people that, if, if I could just be very blunt, he's saying in a nice way, stop acting like people who are going to hell. Act like people who are going to heaven. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, you can try real hard to stop these things, and you can say, oh, I'm going to do better today and fail. I'm going to do better today and fail. Or you can walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit will empower you to not do these things. So we see the works of the flesh in verses 19 through 21, but now look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit fruit. Have you ever seen a fruit tree groaning under the stress of trying to bear fruit? <laughs> you walk through an apple orchard and you hear hums of, <laughs> no. You know why? Because fruit trees bear fruit. And this is the difference between the works. Works require effort. Fruit is something that God does. So every day, we either fulfill the lust of the flesh and we're working the works of the flesh, or we walk in the Spirit and God allows us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. God does it. God does it. 
You don't try hard to have more love. You get close to God, get filled with the Spirit, and love becomes the fruit. You don't try hard to have more peace. You get filled with the Spirit, walk with God, yield to Him, fill your heart with the Scripture, learn to pray, go to church, build your life around Christ, seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and now it's just there. It's just a fruit. Joy, look, look at the fruit of the Spirit. Love, look at the second one. Joy, isn't that what we're talking about? Peace is the absence of conflict. Long-suffering is the ability to bear up for a long time under suffering, under difficult circumstances. A modern word would be patience, but long-suffering means so much more than that. Gentleness. Do you ever get harsh with people? Do you get sharp with people? <clears throat> hey, can I? <clears throat> hey, what do you think? <clears throat> you know, it's like, why, why do we act that way? We don't have gentleness. And God wants us to have the gentleness of Christ. What about goodness? I'm trying so hard to be good. You ought to choose that you're going to sincerely strive for good, but you're going to fail unless you allow God to do that through you. Meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to smash a fly with a 20-ounce hammer. Right? You get a fly swatter. And this idea of power under control. And then temperance normally speaks of self-control, but since this is spirit-filled temperance, it's literally spirit Control. Do you have some addiction, some besetting sin that's constantly just getting you? I mean, it's, it's so hard to, to, to not do, to overcome. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and then God does the work for you. Let me give you a last thought here. I'll turn back to... 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'll just remind you of this thought. We said, number one, we can receive joy when we are full of the Holy Ghost. Number two, joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Number three, we experience the joy of the Holy Ghost in spite of our circumstances. And we see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. I've already explained that, so I won't belabor the point. Using them as our example, the Christians in Thessalonica had a willingness to believe the word of God and turn from idols. What you may not know is that Thessalonica was a pagan city of the highest order. <clears throat> totally given 
to paganism, totally given to the false gods of the day. And those who preached the gospel and the Christians who believed the gospel faced serious persecution and then lived in continuous affliction. This always convicts me. You know, there is, relatively speaking, no persecution in America for becoming a Christian. I mean, what does it cost you? You get saved, your family doesn't spit on you. They don't have a funeral for you. They don't tell you you're dead to them. You don't lose your job. People don't hunt you down, try to hurt you. And yet, as Christians in America, sometimes we're so soft, aren't we? They might say something bad about me. They might make fun of me. And I've been there too. But isn't that soft compared to the people of the Bible? I mean, isn't that soft compared to our Muslim brothers or the brothers and sisters who used to be Muslims? And they literally accept Christ on pain of death if they get found out. Jewish people that get saved, uh, if, they, if they profess Christ openly, sometimes they'll have literal funerals with empty caskets because that person's now dead to them. And it's all around the world. In India, Militant Hindus have been persecuting Christians. In the Middle East, the Arab Spring of some years ago was used as cover to kill millions of Christians. Well, that didn't make the news. Brothers and sisters all over the world. And yet sometimes, as American Christians, if we're not careful, we live anemic Christian lives. Let's say that we're not saved. It's just where's the power? Where's the strength? Where's the boldness? Where's the joy? One thing the world can't explain is whenever you're going through a hard time, but you have a joy, a supernatural joy that's not connected to your circumstances. The world doesn't understand that. And I think that's one thing we're missing. This is something I personally have to work on. Because in my flesh, I'm not joyful. Not that I'm not happy. I have what's called resting mean face. Does anybody else have that? It's like you're just sitting there, your, your face is relaxed, and it's like, you know, people are like, what's wrong with you? Nothing? What do you, what do you mean? My wife will be like, you okay? <laughs> it's like, I'm okay, what do you, what do you mean? Then my kids will be like, dad, are you upset? No, I'm not upset. What are you talking about? You know, just resting mean face. I have to practice smiling because I'm not sad on the inside. Actually, I, I do experience joy consistently and I'm thankful for that. Sometimes I need to remind my face, right? There's an old preacher that used to say, some of you need to remind your face that you're saved. <laughs> you know, and we, 
we get this face. I've got to be careful because I'm very thoughtful and I get in my mind. And during the day, it's happened many times over the years, my mind is busy and someone will call me uh, from the church and I'll say, hello. Yeah. 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 And they're like, Pastor, you okay? Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. And then I realize that I sound like somebody just died. And I'm like, oh, no, in my mind, my heart was just, was just in something. Let's work to make it kind of a red flag in our lives that if we don't have joy, it's not because it's not available. Right? If we don't have joy, it simply means that we need to reconnect with God through the Spirit. And if we feel joyful, if we're really doing pretty good on the inside, let's remind our face, right? And let's allow that to come through <laughs> in our tone of voice because these things matter. The joy of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth that we were able to, to learn this evening. I'm thankful for the joy of the Holy Ghost. It's available. Oh, I want us to experience it so much. And we need it. So much difficulty, sorrow, suffering, uh, distress. And Lord, we have this supernatural gladness from God that's available. And I pray you'd help us to experience it. And to not be content without it, but to realize when we don't have it, to say, hey, where's my joy? And Lord, I need this joy. Holy Spirit, please fill me. Help us to seek it, to live it, and may our love for you and one another, our joy in the midst of difficult circumstances, our faith become bright and shining beacons to the world around us that you're real and your promises are true. Our heads about eyes are closed. Just do a little self-assessment. Have you been experiencing joy? Maybe you have. You say, oh, preacher, man, I've, I've had so much joy lately. Praise God for that. Maybe joy's been a little lacking. And it's possible for everything to be going pretty good and for you to still be miserable. That's, that's a lack of happiness. What we're talking about tonight is joy. Would you ask the Lord during our invitation to fill you with the Spirit, to fill you with that joy?